we all bring something unique to the table. And that's what really got me moving is like, well, we can be a powerhouse together. We can change the community because we've been concealed all these years. Nobody's really known about us or, or, or our conditions. You have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. Welcome to the show. My name is Dorothy and I'm excited to have you here for the latest episode of Do Well and Do Good. Now on this show, my guests have extremely varied stories, but they do have one thing in common. See, they believe just like I do that creating massive financial success and making a massive impact can go hand in hand. Now, I would love to chat with you one-on-one, get to know the listeners of this show, and really determine how I can best help you reach your goals. You can schedule a quick call with me via the link in the pinned post at the top of our free Facebook community. So to find that, head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you in the group. Now, let's chat about today's guests, Thane and Cynthia Murphy. See, Cynthia was born with Treacher-Collins syndrome, and her husband, Thane, is a disabled Marine Corps veteran. Cynthia and Thane both pushed through incredible adversity to become successful entrepreneurs by creating their award-winning health-conscious app and website, Assuaged. Now, on top of their business, Thane and Cynthia are dedicated craniofacial disability activists. They run online communities so that those affected by craniofacial disorders can get the kind of support and resources that they need. In this conversation, we talked about how they overcame immense physical challenges, ultimately healing themselves through a plant-based diet. And we also talked about how Thane and Cynthia have dedicated themselves to giving back and really helping people to do the same thing while raising awareness about these disabilities. They even give advice for any budding app creators out there. So without further ado, here's my chat with Thane and Cynthia. I know you're going to love it as much as I did. Thane and Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Could you expound on that intro and tell us a little more about yourselves? Well, we've been married for 13 years and we have a doggy family. So we kind of started out from the bottom. We didn't have much. We were living with family and we just kind of started out and got our own place and just got through life um, learning a lot about our health. And we kind of, and we've grown a lot over these years, huh, honey? Yes, for sure. Yes. We learned a lot as well. We started out, like she was saying, we started out slow after I got out of the Marine Corps. We went into Vegas. We moved to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we, we lived with our, actually my natural brother. Um, we lived with them and his family. And after that, we moved out and we got our own, our first place mm-hmm. together. And I actually ended up being apartment maintenance. Yeah. And that led into a new career with the windmills. And I was working at one of the largest law firms in Nevada State. So, and I was in construction defect, defect. And I felt, very lucky to have gotten such a great job because of my condition. There is a lot of discrimination. I have gone from job to job most of my life. I couldn't 
give you the number probably of jobs I've had, but I've been in multiple industries and I've always been a hard worker. I've never been fired, but I've had a lot of discrimination issues and people treat you differently. And I just, I've had incredible support from Thane. He always told me I could be whoever I wanted to be and I could accomplish school. So, I mean, after all the times I had tried before meeting him, I finally went back to college and accomplished my first associate's degree and then a bachelor's and just kind of snowballed from there. Wow. So, Cynthia, could you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up with Treacher-Collins syndrome and the impact that had in shaping the person you ultimately became? Uh, Well, my life then to today is completely different. I mean, I almost feel like I'm not the same person, but it was... It was very challenging. I I got a lot of hate, especially in, in my situation, just because, you know, my stepfather, he was a registered sex offender. So I got, and it, we lived in a small town. So I, not only did I get judged based on my physical appearances, my speech impairment, but, you know, everybody knew who I was, where I came from. So I got uh, physical beatings from that. And, you know, kids can be mean and today, that's very apparent. I mean, I couldn't imagine going through what I went through then today. Wow. So for people who struggle with confidence, you know, whether it be because of a disability or otherwise, what steps can they take to start to turn that around and gain a stronger self-image? Well, for me, I poured all my resources into working. I started working very young, washing people's cars, raking their yards. I wanted to earn something. I felt that it was important. And Thane operates on, in the same way. He's always been, I think that's why what makes us so perfect together. But I think working towards something, education, you should always put a prime value on education because you can never learn too much. I mean, there's so much to learn out there and all of that could be used for your personal career success and for ultimate good in the world. I know nutrition has been a huge part of your journey. And Thane, you've also struggled with your own medical conditions in the past, ultimately healing yourself and reversing those conditions, which is really incredible. So could you tell us how you did that? Um, yes, ma'am. Actually, it's, it's actually very easy. It's all to do with how you treat your body, what you put into your body. I had no idea. I used to drink 12 Pepsis a day minimum. I used to eat, you know, Twinkies and all the bad stuff, the chips. I loved, you know, the tortilla chips and all that stuff because it's easy. It's convenient. You actually have, and and I'm a chef, so I do know how to cook. So I don't have really an excuse of somebody else that does not know how to cook, but I still went for those convenience foods. And I think that is a problem in our society. It's just too easy to eat bad. And I was (laughs) guilty of it myself. And I, I just, we just wanted a change. I, I met um, Cindy's grandmother and I went to visit her in the hospital and she had cancer and she had all these operations over and over again. Every week she'd have something else removed or a quarter of this or a quarter of that. And it was really scary. Yeah. And I'm looking at this woman just literally deteriorating in her bed before our eyes and getting organ after organ removed. And I'm just like, how and why? I mean, yes, it, it does come with AIDS, but there has to be something else. There has to be a component. So we started researching more about it, about foods and what's in our food. There's pesticides. There's, you know, your weight is a big thing. I was obese. I was 300 pounds. I, I just knew that there was something different. 
So we just did the research. We found that plant-based diet was the way to go. It made you healthier. That's how your body eats. We're not designed to eat meat. We're not designed to eat dairy or eggs. So we basically just changed our whole whole diet. And Thane was diagnosed pre-diabetic and obese. And once we went vegan, plant-based, organic, of course, because there's chemical compounds in the foods. So once we did that, three months later, we got a letter from the Veterans Affairs stating that he is now within the top 5% of the healthiest males in the United States in his age category. Wow, no kidding. So it sounds like, I mean, the changes happened very quickly once you changed your diet. Yes, they did. They happened very quickly, which was actually very surprising. And I was smoking about 10 to 12 cigarettes a day. I was on 14 prescriptions. I was taking four Norco, four Xanax a day. I mean, I was taking the maximum I could. I was on Adderall, Gapapentin, Abilify. I didn't even know how I was operating looking back on it. And I just had all these horrible habits. And once we cleaned up our diet, that just started disappearing. Like the urge to want to engage in those bad habits. How difficult was it for you to make such a massive lifestyle change? You know, what what was that like? It wasn't that difficult. I mean, it was just really about us learning. Huh? I think some of the foods we got were like, oh, this is not vegan. We just ate it. So we had to like look at the ingredients and make sure what we were eating was, you know, plant-based and organic because labels can be misleading. But ultimately, it was just a process of swapping things out of our, when we ran out of an ingredient, we would get an organic plant-based mayonnaise or, and then we went on to learning how to make our own mayonnaise from scratch, not even need to get the processed from the store. So could you tell us the story of how the idea for Assuaged was born out of all of this? Well, the name actually came from a, a movie. Uh, I don't know if you know who, who um, Zac Efron and Michael Devine, Adam Devine, sorry. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the movie um, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates? I have not, but I've heard of it. I know what it is. It is a very funny movie. He, he said a line in there and he was talking about the word assuaged. And for some reason, it just kind of stuck in my head. And a couple months later, um, we were looking at our app. And the way our app came about is the reason why, like how we were going through our journey, we had no guidance. And we were kind of figuring out how can we come up with something to help other people with that guidance that they need and show them that it, it is easier. It is easy to eat good food. Yeah. You just need to know which products to buy yes. and you know where to get them and so on and so forth. So we came up with the idea of a Swayze and we, we actually, the name that was stuck in my head when we they our developers asked us to come up with a name, I just mentioned a Swayze and the developer was like, wow, I like that. So that's yeah. how the name came about and the idea of the app. Yeah. It was amazing how it all unfolded and our development team, Creative 27, they really took a leap of faith in us and believed in us and mentored us to, I mean, because we had no idea about apps. I mean, we really, we put three offers on three different homes because, you know, my husband got hurt in the line of duty in the Marine Corps. That's how he got his TBI, PTSD brain injury. And um, so the settlement, I mean... We got a, a, a nice settlement out of that. And so we put three offers on three different homes in Oregon and they all fell through. And we were like, well, what do we do? So we decided to do the unthinkable and, and um, pay it forward. Wow. 
What was the most challenging part in taking Assuaged from an idea to a reality? Well, honestly, for me, I was scared. Oh my gosh, I'm going to spend all this money and what am I going to get out of it? And am I going to get it back? And I think the hardest thing was just letting go and giving it to, you know, the basically in God's hands. I mean, I'm not going to be here forever. So I could have a bunch of money just sitting in the bank and um, collecting interest, but that's not going to do nothing for me or anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather be able to put it towards something that I could say, hey, I, I contributed something to some, even if it's one person, I helped that one person, that one family get better or cure a sickness or have their father or their mother longer than they would have if they continued yeah. their bad habits. What advice would you give to someone who maybe has an idea for an app, but they just don't know how to get it off the ground or, or really where to start? I would say the first step is to do it. Get on that phone, get on the internet, look at the best developers or Creative 27 is a great company. Um, that's the one we went with, but there's also other great companies out there and it's that are in your area. But it is important that you get a development team that for one thing believes in your product. If they don't believe in your product, they're not going to do a good job. They're they're just going to give you what you asked for. Here's your app and have a good day. There's a payment and it's over. We were lucky with Creative 27 because they actually actually guided us really, like, really through well. the whole process and made it easy for us to understand, us to follow. So I believe that the first advice is to get a good development team and make sure that your code is um, copyrightable, meaning you own the code. Mm -hmm. um, it's not shared. It's not shared because if you're say my app had a shared code and I sold it, I would have to pay the other 20 or 30 people that contributed to that code. Could you explain a little bit what you mean by shared code? Um, shared code is like, say there's um, there's a box of code that is, uh, is a simple layout for an app that's already there. And the developer used that code for like the colors, the box layout, the, basically the basic template. That's called a shared code. That person made that code and then shared it with other developers to use their license to be charged for or not. It, it depends on their license. What we did is we had our app made from scratch to where the code was actually written from day one just for us waste. And that's why it's able to be copyrighted. And it's scalable. And scalable. And it's just incredible. Our development team, Creative 27 Basil, has brought us to unwavering links with our app. It's been really incredible process. You mentioned that having your own custom code is important, especially if you, know, you would ever want to sell the app. Is that something that you, you would consider down the line or is, is that an end goal of yours? Oh, no, no, not all. For us in particular, it's not. Um, I actually just, just learned that piece of information just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we had an investor came to us. Yes, they, we had an investor uh, interested in this waste and we weren't able to go forward you know, on that, but that's a, a different story. So what was the learning curve like for you in, in jumping into entrepreneurship with Assuaged? Well, both of us have disabilities, so there are challenges. I mean, we have to um, take care of our own health and there's the extra barriers in that, especially, you know, I'm pending a second major jaw surgery. So the business component of it, getting into entrepreneurship, sometimes we wish we could uh, do more, but we actually do a lot for just the two of us and being able to manage our own conditions. And it's getting, we're getting more help. We're getting more collaborations 
every day we're, we're having emails and it's just the, the growth. You have to start from somewhere and you have to believe in yourself and in what you're doing. And it should be something that makes you feel good and that gives back too, because it's rewarding to give back. I mean, like my husband said earlier, we're not going to be here forever. And if you could pay it forward and help other people, there's definitely no harm in that. It's so important. And that's really what this show is all about. Because at the end of the day, having a successful business or career, you know, making good money, it really doesn't ultimately bring you what we really want, which is happiness and, and fulfillment. And I think that that really does come from paying it forward and you know, ensuring that what you do in your life is positively affecting other people and that you can really make a, an impact. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> How have mentors impacted your professional journey? Oh, wow. Well, Bonnie Hernhill, she is a best-selling author. That's really where our mentorship started. And I contacted her to inquire about writing a memoir. And she saw, we met around the time I was taking 14 daily prescriptions, and I, I was a mess. I mean, my husband was having a hard time. Our marriage was kind of falling apart because I was engaging in so many bad habits. And, you know, I reached out to her and she took an interest in me, but she she also delivered it to me straight and told me I needed to change. Like I was very needy. I overthought everything. I, I ran, basically my emotions were being run by fear and anxiety and all of that. And so she just really dug deep and mentored me. And then she began mentoring my husband and, and we built this family relationship to where we're like on a, I love you basis. I mean, we're family now and there's no turning back. And then she introduced us to Craig and Jenny D about five months ago. And since then, we're now even building a, a bigger family, which, you know, you, you may come from a family of blood ties and, you know, you never turn your back on your family, but sometimes you have to uh, love from afar and, and forgive also anything in that because that's for yourself and, and for others. So you could just not have that there. But family is especially important building outside of blood ties. It's not always within the family where family is. And that's just, I mean, we've been mentored by Craig and Jenny, just watching their videos and communicating with them. They're international health experts in nutrition, mindset, empowerment. They're just incredible people. And we feel very blessed to have Bonnie and them in our lives every day. And I encourage everyone listening to go back and listen to episode four, where I actually had the pleasure of interviewing Craig and Jenny. So if you want to hear more about them, you can check out that episode. So Cynthia, when did you first recognize your drive to get involved in the craniofacial community as an activist? Uh, well, that was shortly after I met Bonnie. I did my first article. I wrote about my modeling experience. I went to an audition for America's Next Top Model, and that didn't go as well as I'd hoped. But I decided to write about the experience, you know, how painful it was to walk in a room full of gorgeous women who I could, frankly, never stand up to. But I did. I stood right next to them. And just thinking back and have, knowing that I had the courage to do that just for myself, even though I didn't make it, um, it was still uh, an accomplishment. Now, 
looking back. But I would say that it, it was just getting involved. I was very hesitant at first because I did not want to associate with others with disabilities because I, it was in complete denial. I don't have a disability and I'm not going to put myself in that position and just feel more inferior. In fact, the first cranial facial retreat that I could have attended before the first one I attended was two hours away from us. And I didn't go. I wasn't ready. And that was four years ago. So I went to my first retreat in 2015 in Fort Lauderdale. And they do a one retreat every year in a different state. So that was my first one. And it was just mind blowing going into a room full of people, full of beautiful children with feeding tubes, breathing tubes, so many different abnormalities, but they're smiling and happy and jumping around and, and we're all together. It's like a one big family union. I, I can't, you would have to be there and, and believe it. You'd have to see it to believe it. That's remarkable. And I know that you mentioned social media earlier, and I know you've used social media extensively in your activism and creating communities for people with craniofacial uh, disabilities. How do you think that your experience growing up might have been different if social media was around then like it is now? I honestly, I've thought about that through and through. And kids are just so mean, especially today, and having those. uh, I'm not a big fan of social media for the purpose of, you know, kids going to school and stuff. I I think it's a very scary realm. But on the other hand, I think it's absolutely essential to get the word out and raise awareness. So there's like a love-hate relationship there with social media because, you know, it's not it could do so much damage, but yet there's so much positive to come from it. And I think if I was born in this era, it would have been much harder, I would say, just, you know, because a lot of us in the cranial facial community we're sensitive. I mean, we're, we're born and we want to, you know, replace our face. We don't want to be born this way. And so we do whatever we can, like to conceal it. Like I wore makeup. I didn't wear my hair up in front of my husband for how long? I just started wearing my hair up like five years ago in front of Dane. Yeah. For 10 years, I nearly 10 years, I did not wear my hair up in front of my husband. I mean, it sounds like social media really is a double-edged sword, but I know that you have been able to create a lot of positivity for the craniofacial community through Facebook especially. Could you tell us a little bit about what that's been like, how you were inspired to first create those communities? Um, Well, basically, I started out taking my work ethics and the things I've learned and all the jobs I've had. And I incorporated my working practices into social media. And so that began with creating uh, groups. Like I run about 10 different cranial facial groups on Facebook. And one of them is nearing about a thousand members. And that's for cranial facial events being held within the United States. I post those events, the dates where they're being held so families could get together and meet each other and, and just connect and bond. And because the, the retreat that I just spoke of, it's only once a year and it is very costly to attend. So to kind of equally disperse the opportunity, I, I created that group and I have a lot of other amazing cranial facial advocates that do their best to help me. We have another cranial facial adult advocacy group 
where we all have our profiles on there. Francis Smith, he's one of my best friends. He's a 40-year-old doctor, and he's in Denver, Colorado, and he's just amazing. He's doing all this craniofacial research, and we all bring something unique to the table, and that's what really got me moving is like, well, we can be a powerhouse together. We can change the community because we've been concealed all these years. Nobody's really known about us or, or, or our conditions. I mean, even after the movie Mask, Cher did that in 1985. That kind of died out, and that was centered around craniofacial, and that's what Cher, she actually founded the Children's Craniofacial Association Retreats Program. So that's how that initiated. But then we got the new movie Wonder that came out, and a lot of people in the community were kind of upset about it. They didn't select the boy that had a craniofacial disorder. So again, they're taking from us, and we're going to drown out again and, and not be kind of like a community that's unheard. Well, that's from what I've been telling people, that's the movie is really a blessing to us because we can take this movie, all the exposure it's gotten, and we can, our voices can be heard now. And every day they're being heard more because we're all joined forces together on social media. It's not all about me. We're a community. What are the best things that we can do to raise awareness and you really expand people's understanding of these disabilities? Well, definitely being authentic in everything you say and do on social media and understanding. I, I think it takes a lot to go and put yourself out there on social media. But if you can just do that and show people who you are, that that right there just inspires them to go out and do what you're doing. I mean, because one, one person can make so many changes, but all of us together can make profound changes. And so that's what I've been kind of um, mentoring, if you will, with the people that I work with in my community. How has your definition of fulfillment changed as you've grown through your life and your career and everything that you've both done with your activism? I would say fulfillment. I mean, we all want to be happy and that's hard to accomplish. It really roots down to diet though. And I'm going to go back to the nutrition part of it. You're not consuming organic foods. If you're taking all these prescription drugs, bottom line is you're not going to be happy. I, I was miserable. I have had the most wonderful, amazing husband by my side for 13 years. And I took it for granted. I took everything for granted. I was very angry. I blamed everyone for everything that happened in my life. And Thane could, could agree too. He was angry. He had a lot of unresolved issues from his childhood. And it all changed once we found out how to treat our bodies like a temple. I mean, we, we live and we shop in the region of Loma Linda, California, which is one out of five blue zones existent in the world. It is the only one in the United States. And this is a blue zone where people live to be over 100 years old. Well, we started following those practices. Treat your body like a temple. Put organics in it. Drink a lot of water. Don't overeat, you know, nourish yourself to where you feel good. Exercise. Thane and Cynthia, this has been so valuable. You, everything that you've shared with us today about your journey with assuaged and, and nutrition and the way that you've healed yourselves. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of short questions and I'd like for either one of you to basically respond with the first answer that pops into your head. Are you ready? Ready. Yes. Awesome. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve success with your business? We would say Bonnie Hearn Hill. 
And who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? Our, we support each other and our family. And, and again, Bonnie, she's been incredibly supportive. When you're having a bad day or you're in a negative headspace, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Take a nice walk. Essential oils are absolutely incredibly amazing. Any specific essential oils you would recommend? Geranium, rosemary. Lavender. Lavender. Peppermint. Awesome. And then what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? Start With Your Why by Simon Sinek. I absolutely love that book. And I actually just got in the mail yesterday uh, his follow-up book, Find Your Why, which it takes everything that he explained in Start With Why and goes to the next step of showing you how to actually figure out what that why is. So definitely recommend that book as well. What is one thing on your bucket list? Well, we would like to travel overseas together. We've never had an overseas trip. Rome. Rome. (laughs) Awesome. And then what is the worst piece of advice you've heard related to success? And on the flip side, what's the best piece of advice you'd give our listeners? Well, one that we hear a lot is, I tried, I, I can't. There's a lot of denial that goes on out there. And if you can just kind of dig deeper within yourself and examine where that I'm trying and and switch it into affirmations are amazing. Like I can, I am successful, you know, change your words and, and your thought processes to be a doer, have a doer mindset. Thank you both for everything that you've shared. And as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. And so this is where we encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. So can you tell us which nonprofit you will be nominating? We would like to nominate Children's Cranial Facial Association. Wonderful. And then lastly, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and about Assuaged? You can go to assuaged.com and that's A-S-S-U-A-G-E-D.com. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been wonderful to have you both. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. Thank you, Dorothy. Well, everyone, that's our show. If the Children's Craniofacial Association or any of the other nonprofits shared by our guests really touches your heart, then I encourage you to join us in the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. There are two ways that you can participate. So the first is by making a contribution and then sending a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co. Your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. Now, the second way that you can participate is by joining our free Facebook community so that you can vote. Each month, we host a vote inside that group for which of the nonprofits nominated that I donate 10% of my after-tax income to. So it really does make a huge difference and your vote is meaningful. So head over and join that free Facebook group. Not only do we host the vote there, but I'll also be sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. So head to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join. That's also where you'll find the link to my calendar that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode so that we can schedule that one-on-one chat. I will see you inside the group and thanks for listening.